With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Week Didn't Update. I'm Will, and joining me as he does every week, welcome John Kraft to the show. What's up, John? Hey, everyone. I'm very excited to have uh, NBA regular season basketball back. It's um, it's been super fun just watching basketball a lot. It's been amazing. Um, the Grizzlies are two and one after this past week. They, that's tied for fifth in the conference. However, if you look at standings right now, it's you know. Small sample size theater all through this podcast. Tied for ninth in the NBA. Offensive rating, 109.4. That's good for 19th in the NBA. Their defensive rating is 119.4. That's good for 28th in the NBA. And their net rating, minus 10. 29th in the NBA. I've got to think that has to do a little bit with the loss that the Grizzlies sustained uh, last night against the Dallas Mavericks. But we're going to get into all of that First, John, let's start with some news. You want to start on uh, the yeah. 15th? Yeah, so the the first thing that happened was um, Dakota Mathias and Killian Tilly were waived. Um, we never really were worried about Dakota. We figured Tilly was going to be the person uh, on the roster that was going to be waived. Um, he only appeared in 36 games last season, always um, injury issue. Actually, when he played, I actually really liked him, especially as like a 14th, 15th man on the roster. Um, but at this point, he just cannot stay healthy. And I'll be interested to see if he, you know, winds up with us in any way or plays overseas or what happens with him. Because I know we spent a lot of time developing him. But, but he was the 16th man. And so we kept, um, we kept Danny Green um, when we had gotten him in the summer. A lot of people thought maybe we would waive him. But we kept Danny Green on the roster and waived Killian Tilly. One day later, the Grizzlies, as expected by the Grizzden podcast and the Weekend Update, signed Brandon Clark to a four-year, $52 million extension. At least that's what was reported initially. The real number wasn't too far off. It was $50 million guaranteed. It's going to be 12 and a half per year over four years. $500K per year in unlikely incentives. Uh, Kraft, what did you think when you saw this extension come through? Uh, I was very excited um, to have it done. I actually thought it was a very fair um you know, pretty much sort of what a lot of people thought might be was in that kind of 11 to 13, 14 million dollar a year range. So it seems like it's kind of perfect where the team gave a little, the player gave a little, um, uh, you know, that that he wants to be here. And uh, so I was excited that we have him for another four years and that we've signed him up. And I think he works great, especially with Jaron Jackson. Um, he's great in the small ball lineups um, and kind of another sort of elite role player. Um, that's a good good person to have kind of uh, signed for four years. And those last couple years on his deal uh, with the new TV contract uh, could look like a steal. Yeah, I think BC, he, it's basically in between what your, your third and fourth, uh, you know, four and five guard, or excuse me, four and five uh, players are making. And so 
it, it's looking really good. And I, I was pumped to see it come through. I didn't want that to be hanging over because the, the deadline was the beginning of the season for Brandon Clark. So he's not like Dylan uh, or Danny Green where they could sign extensions throughout the season. This thing would have been hanging over. He would have um, entered next offseason with that as the biggest question. But we get it done. Seemed like BC wanted to be in Memphis. I think it's a great fit. Uh, he fits he just fits this team really well. And it's, it's, it's great to have his energy. It's great to have him locked in. And like you said, uh, at the very end of that contract, I think we are going to look up and, and that's going to be considered really good value. Um, so yeah, like I, I said, Dylan Brooks, uh, Danny Green, those are the two expiring contracts remaining on the roster. Uh, well, on the 18th, Zaire Williams was listed as out for the opener. Knee soreness and non-COVID related illness were the reasons. And we had questioned what was going on with Zaire. And this kind of gives us a little bit more clarity on that. And then surprisingly, Dylan Brooks was listed as doubtful. And then he was eventually reported out for the season opener due to thigh soreness. So what was the, I mean, I was a little concerned to see that because we didn't see anything that would have indicated an injury sustained in preseason. That was that was a little weird, and he still hasn't played in, the, in a game yet. No, he hasn't. I was ex- really expecting him to come back last night to play uh, Luka Doncic, and uh, I'm, I probably will start getting very nervous if he doesn't play Monday. We definitely need his defense on Monday against the Nets. Um, and so hopefully it's just kind of early season, being super careful, super cautious, and also just not want to throw him into the fire with Luca uh, first game back. Um, give he was him a listed couple as more questionable days. for what it's worth. Questionable. So, so the hopefully is that, that he plays. But normally, I mean, that's what's interesting is normally for um, if the Grizzlies list you as questionable, that's basically probable. So that's what was so surprising. Um, and then Zaire, I'm actually a little more nervous about. Uh, I feel like uh, hearing, listening, you know, different kind of media people, uh, and trying to figure it out, so all of them are kind of saying it's really no big deal. Um, but then yesterday, Jenkins said that Zaire is uh, is like hopefully they have hopefully going to start him in one on one and ramp him up, which mm. makes me feel like it might be a whole, might be another week, maybe two. Uh, that that kind of that kind of talk. So when I was thinking, maybe hopefully by the Kings game, but but who knows. You want to hit our next news item? It's a pretty yeah, exciting one. So, so very interesting news item. Uh, mayor Jim Strickland, uh, Memphis mayor, announced a uh, $684 million sports venue improvement plan, kind of coming off uh, all the news about the Nashville football stadium being built. And it includes FedEx Forum, uh, Simmons Bank Stadium, AutoZone Park, and then kind of an, uh, you know, a possible soccer stadium kind of to replace Mid-South Coliseum. And he's asking for the state to contribute 350 million of that 684, and and so obviously for our you know we care it's about the FedEx Forum um, making improvements and a couple things that are interesting about that is one not a new basketball you know arena and concert arena but just renovations to FedEx Forum uh, but I think that is exciting and I think that's the sort of thing that we need to do uh, to make sure that you know the Grizzlies are an important part of our city for the next 20 25 years it's shocking that next season so not this one but next season's playoffs the FedEx Forum will be 20 years old and to me as a native Memphian, I still think of FedEx Forum as the new arena in town, which is just funny uh, because you look at across the league and how many arenas have gotten renovations, new arenas that have been built, um, new ones to come as well uh, for other teams. I, I 
fully expect that part of the renovation is going to be increasing the number of lower bowl tickets, maybe a number of suites. Right. Um, so that'll be an interesting, uh, interesting thing to look at when plans come out because I know that we, and we might have referenced it on this podcast uh, last time we talked, but you know the Grizzlies were unique in that they offered a lot of upper uh, tier seating so that it could be the barrier to entry was low to having a pro team. So that's going to be really interesting to see how they do. But at the same time, you know, they need to make revenue. They're, they're always towards the bottom of the Ford's, Forbes right. valuation. It has a lot to do with market, but I think it also has to do with, you know, gate sales, honestly. Right. So. Yeah, and, and a lot of the, I mean, a lot of those fans are people like me who were teenagers in the young 20s when the Grizzlies showed up. And so getting just getting in the building was a huge importance to me. Of course, now um, most people my age have income to where they'd rather be in the club section or lower bowl. And so uh, and that's, you know, and I also think just on a random aside, the concerts are, bit, you know, for for getting good bands and good artists for concerts, that's a big deal uh, to have more lower bowl seating as well. So that could also just help sort of the arena in general. But I, I figure the lower bowl improvement is probably the number one thing they're looking at. And, and you know, and, and the fact of the matter is uh, the FedEx Forum was built before smartphones, uh, before kind of the, the modern media landscape. Um, and, and so in a lot of ways you have to kind of shift it for those things. So yeah, totally. It's a good point on the concerts too. All right. We had three games last week. As I mentioned, we're going to go through each of those, give a high level synopsis on what occurred in those games. And then we're going to unpack, uh, what we saw and some insights we have from those. So I'll start Grizzlies defeated the Knicks on opening night, 115, 112, in overtime, it was quite a game. I, I was in attendance, and it was exciting. It was super fun to be back in the arena. John Morant was the takeaway for me, which, you know, that might be a common theme here. <laughs> but he uh, was absolutely amazing. He controlled the game, was by far the best player on the floor. Uh, the Knicks, you know, they had a, a few new additions to work in, including Jalen Brunson, Isaiah Hartenstein, who played a lot of minutes due to mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson's foul trouble. And it was uh, a game that was frustrating at times. Times uh, Bain, you know, his is still struggling, uh, and that that'll be another thing I'm sure we'll ref- reference on this podcast. But um, I noticed his usage has just gone way up uh, in the offense, and notably without Dylan Brooks and Zaire Williams, you know, we were working in the rookies. Uh, Roddy was the first one off the bench and um, played legitimate minutes. But you know, even though it was cl- close, we we called twelve. He delivered, and and over time, you can't ask for a much more exciting game than that on opening night, and we were really happy to go home uh, with a win, and I'm, I'm glad we only have to play the Knicks twice in the season. We already got one out of the way. Yes, and I mean, I, and I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people might think, oh, the Knicks, but I actually think uh, they were – I've watched them play their second game, and, and they played really well in that game. So I think we beat a good team, um, especially on opening night with all the unknowns. And, uh, and definitely a, another one added to the, uh, I guess, weirdly non-highlight highlight plays. I don't know how to describe all the, the you know, because it wasn't a missed play. It was, it was jaw ending uh, probably one of the most incredible sort of finishes I've seen to end a game, but oh, got called for I the know. charge. <laughs> but like it's another one of those sort of like put it in the, like the play that doesn't count that's still an unbelievable exactly. highlight. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was unreal. I, I really did. I was I was shocked when they 
when they called a charge. I mean, I, I wasn't listening to the broadcast. I'm not sure what Breen and Van Gundy thought about it. Um, you know, of course, home cooking. I thought the refs were going to be a little <laughs> bit on our side. But the fact that he was able to acrobatically get that ball in the basket with the right spin. And honestly, if you look back, he was horizontal. I mean, like, I don't know how he he just threw it up behind his head and it happened to go in. It yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah, so, yeah it probably, I mean... Uh, as someone who's watching from home, the the probably a charge by the letter of the law. Okay, but by the spirit of the law, it should have been allowed. Is, is would be my opinion, especially on you know sort of that end end of game type thing. But uh, but I think it was fun. It was just great to be uh, just back playing basketball. Uh, being at the forum is awesome. So I was I was at a wedding this past weekend, and I was not able to watch the Rockets and Mavericks games live. So, Kraft, if you don't mind, I'm going to let you kind of give us the synopsis no. of those. So Grizzlies uh, defeated the Rockets in Houston on Friday night, 129 to 122. And it was it was a very interesting game, kind of came out uh, sort of sluggish, missing a lot of open shots. We were just taking a lot of threes because Houston was giving us a lot of open shots because they don't play very – their defense is not what I would call competitive or intense. Uh, and, and because of that, we but we were missing early, and we were just kind of – uh, struggling uh, to stop them as well. And so we actually got down by 16, 17 points in the first half and kind of slowly came back. And then um, in the second half, uh, made a big run. Uh, I would actually say we were down five when Jaw went to the bench in the third quarter. But but we uh, Tyus, I thought, came through and played some really good minutes with the bench unit, it gave us a lead. And then when Jaw came in, he de- definitely closed it down. And obviously the biggest, uh, the biggest thing about uh, – Part of the game is that Josh scored 49 points, had eight assists. Uh, if you think that he was the best player uh, in the game against the Knicks uh, and the floor, he was probably the best player on the planet that night, I would say. He was unbelievable. It's it, Josh, That kind of performance is one where – on text threads, people start asking whether Jaws going to win multiple MVPs. Exactly. That's, that's the kind of play that, uh, that it inspired. So – uh, but but we you know pulled out. It, it definitely had the feel sort of. Uh, if this was in the middle of the regular season, it would have a feel of a game where uh, we knew we were going to win. Uh, we kind of played, and then you know towards the end of the third fourth quarter, it was like okay, it's time now, and, and we kind of pretty much dominated. I would say the second half, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter. I have an old man take about this game. Uh, I am of the mind that one team should all be always be wearing white. Uh, no matter what, and this was a game, if you turned it on, uh, the Grizzlies were in their new statement uniforms, which is the uh, Beale Street blue, but then the Rockets were wearing red, and man, uh, I, I had I had my old man brain on, because I was, <laughs> I was frustrated, even though it, it's not as bad as like a blue and a green, mm-hmm. and it's definitely not as bad as, uh, you know, wearing the same jersey color as the, uh, the home team, which happened last year with the Grizzlies against the Thunder, so I'm yes. glad both teams weren't wearing white, but I would prefer that one. Yes, I I agree with that. So, and I'm actually the old man here. So, <laughs> uh, we'll have a lot more to unpack about that Rockets game. But yes, Kraft, what I mean, do we even have to talk about yeah, last night? Unfortunately, so uh, last night the Grizzlies fall the Mavericks in Dallas, uh, one thirty-seven to ninety-six, a forty-one point blowout. Uh, uh, Luca was awesome. Luca was the best player on the floor uh, last night. As much as we talk about Jaw, Jaw was still great in very limited minutes because he didn't play very much in the game. Uh, but this was a game where 
at the end of the first quarter, you felt like it was probably already done. And then in the second quarter, it was kind of even, uh, kind of both played about the same. And that meant basically the game was over because we weren't going to come back from, you know, a 20 plus deficit at halftime, uh, down three player rotation players on third night, uh, third game and four nights on a back to back. So, so that's kind of um, what happened. I think, you know, Dallas continues to be an interesting matchup. We might talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, for us, uh, I'm still not as concerned. I do think that uh, the record against Dallas the last few years has been a lot of context of schedule, seeming schedule losses, uh, key players like Dylan just not being uh, in the, you know, in the rotation, in the roster uh, when we play them. You know, I, I remember one of the last – you know, and, and then there's things like uh, I still remember uh, the crazy Dallas game where Grayson Allen misses two free throws to win the game, and then Luca hits this crazy like oh. shot put three to win it. Um, I was at that game; it was still the weirdest thing. I, I was thought for sure he, his foot was on the line, but it was not. Uh, but but all that said, um, obviously the, the last year and this year we have struggled a little bit with Dallas, and especially when they have Luca in the lineup. So. Um, so it was kind of a sad, sad loss. Um, but again, this is why we do our 10 game predictions. And, and I would say that, uh, I know for me, and I'm guessing for you too, this was a definite L when I was looking, I mean, even when I wanted to get excited and go eight and two, nine and one, uh, this game was always going to be, uh, pretty much a loss for me, uh, just because of the schedule and, uh, where it fell and all that sort of hundred percent. I had, uh, I said last week on the podcast, my only definite loss was away at Sacramento. So we'll, we'll see what happens just cause we always, uh, drop one in, in Sacramento. But if you ask me, uh, in, in reality, what was the, the one it was, it was this game on a back to back. And for what it's worth, uh, I just looked it up and cleaning the glass filtered out a full 12 minutes of garbage time. Yeah. So, uh, that was pretty much the story of the game. And, there. and, uh, and, and, Christian Wood, frustratingly, uh, just by analytics, not a good player against almost everybody else, seems to continue uh, to do well against us. Yep, he does. Um, man. Certified right. Grizz killer, Christian <laughs> Wood. All right, so uh, we have three games under our belt. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to talk about the games upcoming this week. We have a little bit lighter schedule uh, game Monday night which is tomorrow when we're recording, tomorrow night against Brooklyn and Thursday against Sacramento. Uh, and so uh, let's talk about the, uh, the games. And to me, at least the headline is all about who's not playing, in my opinion. And I did a little bit of uh, research on this, and I looked up last year the spread of minutes per game. And the top 10 in the rotation um, were Ja, Bain, Dylan, Jaron, Stephen Adams, DeAnthony Melton, Zaire Williams, Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, Brandon Clark. And if you basically take that and you put it in 2022 terms, obviously we lost DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson. And their replacements, though, uh, were real young players or John Conchar, and, and he's still who I would consider a young player. So in, in, in a way, we are missing 48% of our total spread of minutes in terms of uh, you know who should be in the top 10 of the rotation. Ja Bain, Stephen Adams, Tyus Jones, and Brandon Clark were the only five who clocked minutes in the first three games from the top 10 of the rotation last year. The other five, as I listed, Santi Aldama, John Conchar, David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, 
and Xavier Tillman, and they were near the bottom end except for Santi and, and Conchar. So, I mean, to me, that's the story. We're not even we're not playing with our starting five yet, and yet we're two and one. And the loss came, you know, back to back against a Dallas team who was in their home opener. By the way, right? That's so, another part of that schedule yeah. loss thing was that they were in their home and opener, um, and we were, you know, again missing. Uh, the guys were missing are key because Dylan and Zaire would have been two people who have obviously uh, gotten the assignment to guard Luca, and, and they're bo- them both being out is rough. Then obviously, you know, anytime you have a player like that uh, that can get to the rim, and that you don't have Jaron, it's hard to. Yeah, and that's one. I just think that it, it it's kind of tough to go into you know our insights and takeaways without mentioning that at the top because. You're not playing with your full team. It's going to be difficult to take away in terms of stats, which I have a few to throw out, which I believe to be um, still pertinent, even with the lineup issues. But on the flip side, how amazing that five new players can come in and play in the 10-man rotation, and yet the system still works. Obviously, John Morant is otherworldly, and that is important. But the fact that Santi Aldama, who was one of your biggest preseason takeaways about the minutes he's been playing and the value he's been adding, and I have a few things to throw out about him, but what did you think about him, Conchar, and the rest of the guys who are filling in the gaps? Yeah, so that was one of my um, kind of – I have some pros and some cons, and one of my big pros was Santi and Conchar. I I felt like uh, as far as the – a lot of talk on Twitter and a lot of just talk about Melton and Kyle – no longer being on the team, people being nervous about that. And uh, in two of the three games, um, you know, the, the Mavs game was a little rougher for both of them, but I feel like Sante and Conchar have come in and, and performed really well. I mean, I think they have filled, you know, obviously Sante and Kyle are very, very different players, but I feel like they have filled their roles well, their minutes well, that, that I don't look at them and think we're losing because of the two of them. I feel like they're they're unafraid when they're open to shoot it. I feel like Conchar, in fact, has hit um, in both the Knicks game and the Rockets game, hit some big shots at timely moments. And and I think Sante, I've, I've actually been shocked by Sante's um, kind of protection of the rim and blocking some shots. I was not expecting that. So those have been so that's been a big pro for me. Um, you know, the issue you brought up at the at the front, I think the issue is we're not expecting Sante and Conchar to play 30 to 35 minutes a game. And, and I think that is something that especially on a third game um, in four nights and a back-to-back in an, in a ho- very hostile environment. The Houston game was not a hostile environment, uh, but Dallas was. You know that that's where I think some of that kind of newness of role showed. But that's been a big takeaway that I've been excited about. That I think that Sante and Conchar, uh, you know, if they continue kind of this play, that I don't think we are going to be feeling like man, we miss Mountain, man, we miss Kyle Anderson at all. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. 
only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. 100%. Um, the second thing I noticed and I think is very uh, important moving forward to how we have been playing, the Grizzlies tied uh, a franchise record for the most three-point attempts in a game, and that was against the Knicks uh, on opening night. Uh, Bain, it w- by the way, that the number was 50. So they took 53s that night. Didn't shoot a bad percentage, by the way. Uh, Bain took 13. Uh, his average last year was 7. Conchar took 9. His la- average last year was 1.8. Aldama took 8. His average last year was 1.5. Tyus Jones took 8. His average last year was about 3. Ja took 6. His average was about four and a half. BC took two. We'll get back to those. And then David Roddy and Jake Laravia each took two as well. So 53s that we threw up. We let it fly. We were, we were looking like the James Harden Houston Rockets. Mori I mean, Ball. It was unbelievable. And, and the, of course, the notable ones to me are, number one, Bain. The usage has definitely gone mm-hmm. up. He hasn't, found, he hasn't seen it go in as much. Um, and then Conchar and Aldama combining for uh, 17 three-point attempts. I mean, that has to do with their minutes, but it also has to do with how they've, the, how they're playing now versus how they've played in the past, especially Contra. I think he's the key. And then Aldama is just filling in that, um, he's playing the four with Steven Adams. We're playing the four out, uh, one man yeah. at the elbow, how we've been playing and how the Taylor Jenkins really loves to play. And he's just knocking them down. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, and, and with how well Jaw is playing, we are going to have games like that. I don't think that uh, as much as much as Taylor Jenkins says, let it fly. I don't think the Grizzlies want to be shooting 53s, but I think a lot of teams are going to force us to do that. And that was one of the things in the New York Knicks game. Tibbs was was leaving that corner three open over and over again because he was not going to let Jaw get to the paint. And fortunately, against the Knicks, we knocked them down, especially in that second quarter. That's why we got out to a big lead. And and so uh, so he, I think teams, because of how scared they are of Jaw and and keeping Jaw out of the paint, or at least getting to from getting to the rim, I think we're going to see, especially early on, a lot of threes taken because we're going to get a lot of open threes. And I just hope that we can hit them. Yeah, and that was part of the. Um you know, prediction I had early on about Bain hitting 40. It just had to do with the three-point volume. I couldn't see it go down. I could only see it go up, especially for him. One concern I have is I don't think Bain looks healthy. Yeah. He is limping around. He uh, he looks like he has a hurt back. He kind of looks like he did at the, uh, at the end of the playoffs last year. Um, I know it's not necessarily his back. I know in the Knicks game they mentioned it was cramps. I was freaking out in the stands because – I don't know if Jenkins forgot or what, but Bain could barely walk, and he was right. in the game for about two and a half minutes, uh, where he was just ba- could make it, barely make it over half court. Um, and I listened to a part of the Jenkins press conference. I know he mentioned that you know, yeah, we didn't quite see him. We were we were worried about some other things, but that is one thing I'm concerned about, especially with this increase in usage. So I'm going to be monitoring that very closely. Yeah, and I saw I know last night uh, on the bench. Uh, there were several shots of him, like when we would make a good play, he was standing up and he was wearing some sort of like heated. He's been wearing that all preseason. Yeah, all preseason by the way. too, right? So like he was wearing something on his back when he's out of the game. So that is, uh, I do think there's something to be nervous. I mean, I think the big debate is going to be is 
Bane's struggles, uh, what percentage of it is just all shooters go through a little bit. Uh, but, but for me, one health, but then two, the increased usage. And I think that is something they're asking him to be more of the playmaker, um, in the second unit. And again, uh, I think one thing missing Zaire Williams is also making, uh, him even more necessary there, but him, that kind of, you know, increased usage, handling the ball more, going to the basket more. And I just wonder how much of the struggle is just getting used to that, you know, uh, and how much of it is some kind of back issue. I think it is something to monitor. I mean, that was definitely of my pros and cons. That was Bain is, is a big concern. I mean, it's not a big concern. It's just, it's to be watched. Um, I still think, you know, he, you know, for all his struggles, he still is not, it's not like he's a huge detriment. He has played, still played well, but he's doing things like missing, just missing layups that he didn't used to miss. Uh, and then missing some open shots that it used to be just automatic for him. And so, uh, and, you know, just making a couple costly turnovers and things like that. So he's also catching the assignments on the defensive end that usually we're trying to get jaw on the weaker guard. And in this case, Bain was having to split time between Brunson and RJ Barrett. Barrett didn't have a very good game shooting, but he still Mm kind of got to a few spots. And then in the uh, Houston game, you know, Jalen Green's tough. Uh, And so, and then he said, he, and he guarded Luca. And he guarded Luca too. For the first quarter, too. Yeah. So I think that has to play a part. The health concern is still there uh, for me. So I'm going to be watching that with Bain. Uh, What was another one of your takeaways from this first set of games here? Yeah. So one of mine. one of my, uh, I'll just to do the, the bad stuff first, but yeah, one of my, just the defense, uh, you know, again, uh, very obvious with our three best defensive players, uh, you know, for sure, Dylan, for sure, Jaron, you can argue Zaire, but at least he's a long wing that can guard, uh, sort of your wing playmaking type player. And the, the fact that all three of them are going to are out, it's not a surprise, uh, that our defense is struggling. Um, but, but definitely, you know, all three games, uh, we've, had moments where we just did not get stops. And I think that affects the offensive end because I think when we get stops, we are so good. Um, really, honestly, we're, we're so good on offense if the other team is not set up. Um, and I think we're getting better uh, at half-court and offense, which is something I'm excited about. But, man, if we get a stop, our offense is so good. But we just struggle to get stops. And that was the Dallas game last last night. We just, you know, the whole first quarter, we just could not get a stop. We couldn't get stops. And, um, and so that's, you know, and I guess a little bit the rebounding too, and that's been some of it, even in uh, the Knicks game, we, uh, we got some stops and then didn't always get a rebound, uh, get a good defensive board. And I think that again goes with some of the guys that are out. I also just think that, uh, we've played a lot of, we played a a team in the Knicks that have good rebounding, uh, forwards that really hit the boards hard. And then I, the Houston game, I just thought the Houston was throwing up so many bricks and long threes that, uh, that's one of those early in the season. You just, uh, are guards and forwards and you get used to long kind of long rebounds. So. Yeah, uh, a couple of things that I noticed too, and I was watching the game and then went back on uh, afterwards and, and looked up a few lineup uh, stats here. It is due to Jaron uh, not being uh, available, as well as Dylan, who can play uh, at the four, as we saw in the playoffs. But uh, Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark have played 13.3 minutes together, and they have a minus 13 net rating, which is the worst out of any two-man lineup on our team. By the way, all of those minutes were with Ja, and so it wasn't as if it was just a purely bench lineup uh, without our uh, superstar 
it was it was with Ja. And so that's one thing. It's it's a I know that uh, Jenkins is it's not something he would necessarily prefer. However, um, you know, Adams and Aldama both are averaging thirty point thirty minutes a game. And so um, you know, they have a high workload. Clark is your uh, backup big that you're going to bring in, um, and you have to stagger those lineups to me a little bit better. Uh, you got to just say, I'm sorry, Santi, for now, we need you. Uh, Tillman got a few in there, but he is also, he, he and Clark played 3.7 minutes together and had a minus 9.5 yeah. net rating in those 3.7 minutes. So it's tough out there. Yeah, well, uh, that, you know, um, Tillman, you know, and this is, it's very fringe, but I mean, I'm, you know, for me, uh, I would be worried about him, um, sort of just on our roster and where our, where we are on him, because even last night in the Dallas game, the, our normal 10 man rotation only went nine, um, before garbage time and we did not put Tillman in. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so we just went nine last night until garbage time. And then Tillman got, you know, to play with, with our summer league lineup of all rookies, and and so I'm I'm definitely you know for Tillman uh, I feel like that is a concern of sort of what is his role going forward with the team um, you know and is he gonna is he a person who can find his way in the rotation with certain matchups or is he really just pure end of the bench sort of injury replacement type player um, because he didn't even like I said we shortened the rotation last night. Um, in, in lieu of playing him. Uh, the other thing is just, but, you know, with the defensive concerns, I mean, I'll just say uh, if we go back to last year and we kind of talk about not overreacting, um, we started the year 9-10 and 10 last year. Remember that tying franchise tying win season last year. We started 9-10. and 10. We were also 29th, 30th in defensive efficiency after the first 19 games, which is crazy because we finished top five. And so the two things to that is, one, we were playing a rookie in Zaire Williams a lot. Uh, but I also think our system and the way uh, that uh, that Jenkins coaches defense and the way we do defense requires a lot of just uh, trust in each other, knowing what the other one's doing. And, and so for me, I think this is a trend to watch just going forward is that our defense is sort of going to struggle early in seasons, especially if we're playing rookies or new players you know, to the system. And so, you know, I think it's not a surprise that our defense is struggling and I'm not, it's a concern is in, this is a negative thing. We're 29th in defensive efficiency, uh, even though we're still two and one, but I think that it's not a long concern for me. I think it's about the fact where we don't have the personnel right now, but then we're also playing a lot of rookies and playing new people in the rotation, like you said. And so 50% of our rotation is new from last year, you're going to have defensive lapses. Yeah, and a smart coach, what I worry about is the smart coach like Tom Thibodeau, you notice the change in their style in the second half was attack, 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 because the Grizzlies don't have their anchor in the middle. They don't have their rim protector. Aldama, you know, he's he's doing a good job of, of patching it up every now and then, but I think that you're going to see smart offensive coaches um, just continue to attack the paint with the Grizzlies, and that's going to kind of be the key, and we have to hope that it holds up and that we get some missed shots and things like that. Um, but as far as, yeah, I'm not as concerned uh, personally about the offense. I agree with you. It's it's more defensively. And um, the other thing I wanted to note is um, I was concerned going into the season about free throws. The concern is still there. Uh, <laughs> however, one bright spot, John Morant is 27 of 32 through three games. He's shooting 85% from the line. More importantly, he's getting to the line over 10 times per game. Uh, for 10 free throws, that is, per game. 
Steven Adams, on the other hand, one for eight. He's shooting 12.5%. So we're 13th in free throws attempts through three games. We're 28th in free throw percentage. So that's just one thing to watch. Uh, but Jaw's the bright spot to me because he yeah. is the highest volume of free throw right. shooters on our team. Yeah. And in general, just Jaw's the bright spot, period. Uh, yes. I mean, that's obviously one of my big takeaways is somehow Jaw's gotten even better. Um, I just even, you know, on dead balls when he's putting up threes just kind of after the sh- after the whistle's blown, uh, he looks so confident shooting the ball. Uh, I especially what what made it so fun about the Rockets game uh, was he was he was pulling out the Chris Paul free throw line extended jumper mm. um, and, and nailing them. And if he can get that. Um, and shoot, you know, and right now he's shooting crazy, like 60 something percent. He's 57 percent from three, three by the yeah. way. So but if he can, I mean, if he can say 35 to 40, I mean, even 35, 36 and he can consistently hit that little free throw line jumper. I mean, he he really is an unstoppable type player. And uh, and so that's just been exciting. And and I've loved his more. Into, and he picks his spots with defense. Um, you know, as far as, you know, getting over screens and hitting passing lanes, but I've loved that when it comes to winning time, he is, he honestly, as much as he won the first two games offensively, he won them defensively too. key blocks, um, key, uh, just, just flying through the air and messing people up on their layups and stuff. Uh, it's been really good to see him be competitive on defense in a way that I think, uh, we thought he could be, but we're wondering if he would be so. With that said, I have one proposal, and I want to get your take on it. If you're Taylor Jenkins, you see the performance job puts up night one and night two of the season. You know you're going into um, an environment in Dallas where your second night of a back-to-back, it's their home, home opener. You're missing two of your you know top six, seven rotation guys. Why don't you give John off night <laughs> last night in Dallas? Well, he sort of had one. You know, I mean, he, he still played thirty minutes. Um, I mean, I, I I would say that I think uh, Jaw himself would be mad about that since he wants to play like all eighty-two games and all he's been saying all those things. Um, and I just think it's probably too early in the season for that uh, to do that. But um, especially with the guys we are missing. But I don't know if we'll think about that going forward. Um, you know, I'm I'm always a little suspicious of load management. Uh, I like I like the way the Bucks do it, which is just blow people out. And so Giannis only has to play 25 to 30 minutes. And that's what I'm hoping we do more of as the season progresses and we get people back. But, um, but you know, I mean, there are times, I mean, uh, you know, and part of that, the Mavs, I mean, they definitely, you know, they're a bunch of big guys and they definitely let Jaw feel it every time he went into a lane. I know that. Yeah, I guess my thoughts are if you have a full healthy roster and it's back-to-back, it's different. To me, I'm like, Jaron, Dylan, Zaire are not playing. You just won a, a game last night where you scored 49 uh, or two nights ago. And yeah. I, I don't know. If I were in a co- in, in Jenkins' shoes, I, I might I might have thought about it. Yeah. Um, but you know, no, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's a worthy discussion. I mean, I'm, I'm someone and that's, you know, I mean, it's a good that you kind of say that because one of the things, uh, just to get, get off my chest is just looking at sort of the, the Grizz Twitter conversation and even some on different t- text threads and that, that I'm on, you know, it's just amazing how much people freak out when, with one loss and to kind of go, it's like all these conclusions happen, all this stuff, you know, it was, well, we're two and one. And, and I'm actually thinking it's great, uh, like that we put Roddy on Luca because we want Roddy to be the kind of person we can put on Luca 
uh, next year, or maybe even at the end of the season or in the playoffs, if like for some reason we have an injury to Dylan or something like that. And so, you know, while people get mad, you know, on Twitter saying, you know, and, and online, like, why is he putting Roddy on Luca? Luca's going to kill him. Well, this is the kind of stuff you do with rookies to get them experience. And I, I actually like that we have a system that's letting our rookies play, letting them get minutes um, and so in that sense, you know, I think sometimes people think load management, oh, you're just giving jaw the night off, but we're also giving other players the opportunity to develop as well. So just one note too, on, on the, you know, putting too much into one win and loss at the beginning of the season. If you look at the top six in the West right now, three of the top six are the Utah jazz, the Portland, Portland trailblazers and the San Antonio Spurs. That's not the expectation uh, moving no. forward in this season. So I think context is important. Um, I do love a fan base who is passionate about every every night. And at the same time, I think you got to understand. you got to understand the context of last night. It would have been great to get a win. Uh, but I think the writing was on the wall pretty early on there with all the missed shots. All right, any other notes before we move on? No, I think that's, that's all I got. All right, Kraft. We have a little game. That we're gonna that we're gonna do here each week. Um, it's very creatively named "Guess Who," <laughs> and basically what we're gonna do is one of us is going to do a little bit of research on the teams that we're gonna be playing in the next week. We're gonna pull out a player stat. We might give a hint here and there, but we're gonna basically uh, you know read this stat for the audience, and then the other is going to get a chance to guess who owns this stat. And so, this week, I'm going to try to make it a little easy, since it's week number one. If you look at the top players in terms of points per game, we're getting crazy here, getting in the weeds, points per game, a player that we are playing this next week is number two in points per game. By the way, John Morant is third, Jason Tatum is first, this player is second. Guess who? Oh, man. By the way, this player plays for a team located in California. Yeah. You're helping me out even more now. Um, oh, and I even watched the game last night. Um, is it... It's not De'Aaron Fox. It's De'Aaron it's, Fox. Oh, look at that. De'Aaron Fox. I was averaging wondering. 34.5 points okay. per game. Granted, it's been two games. The Kings yes. are one and one. Okay. Because I watched I watched the uh, the Kings game last night. I was cheering for them to beat the Clippers and uh, because to help my picks along. But uh, but I, I just I watched De'Aaron Fox miss some shots I didn't want him to miss at the towards the end there. Um, but I just wasn't paying attention to how much he'd actually scored. So it's most of your usual suspects at the top: Giannis, Steph, Luca, yeah. De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox, right there in yep. the number two spot. We'll see how long that lasts. But uh, well, you know he loves to play against Jaw too. He loves to go. He seems to really play aggressive and want to kind of show that he's a good point guard uh, in, in Jaw's class whenever they play. So yeah, let's, be interesting. So we're. Um, so we're playing the Kings on Thursday, and they're playing the Warriors tonight, and that's their one game between now and Thursday. So they're they're zero and two right now. They could go into the Grizzlies game either one and two or zero and three. But let's start with the Nets. So mm-hmm. when you see the Nets, yeah, what do you see? What are, what are you feeling about this matchup coming up? So tomorrow night? what I feel is, uh, I mean, well, my you know the first is is Dylan going to be back for it because they have two um, players that though they are drama and crazy. 
um, and just so unpredictable. And KD and Kyrie Irving, they're both players that can go for 50 points. And so I'd love to have Dylan back for this game. Um, I will say, uh, when we talk about people attacking the paint, what is exciting to me uh, as far as our matchup with them is that they are just a, they are pretty much a pure jump shooting team. And I think we actually do pretty well against jump shooting teams. And so, and so that makes me excited about it, but, but I'm just excited. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is it'll be the first time I get to be in FedEx forum uh, for this season. So I'm really excited about going to the game tomorrow night and getting to see it in person. And, uh, and I feel like it should be a win for us at this point. It almost feels like every home game should be a win for us because of, of how good our crowds are and how good our team is. But, uh, but I do think that the hope is that they, uh, we keep them as jump shooters and that we just really attack them in the paint because they are not, uh, they do not compete much on defense. Uh, they just kind of try to outscore you. At least that's the way they were last year and seemingly kind of the way they've been the, the first two games of the season. And so I'm really hoping for us to just really attack them on the paint and attack them on the boards. Uh, everybody's been talking about how amazing the Pelicans were and how they're getting like 50% of their offensive uh, uh, of offensive board chances they are collecting. I think a lot of that stat is because they played the Nets who do not rebound well at all. And so I'm hoping that this should be a, uh, this should be a game where we look up and we have really dominated the possession battle. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. John KD um, ha- have sort of a, a relationship. It's not necessarily like an official relationship, but back when Ja was in high school, KD had his eye on him. He was on a couple of podcasts hyping Ja up. Um, and so I think that Ja, there's a mutual respect there for sure. And I think it's fun uh, when you get to see Ja compete against who he considers to be like the most important superstars in the league. So I think you could have some, you know, some motivation there from Ja. At the same time, um, I think, I, I do think the Grizzlies should play the Nets really well. And for the reasons you just stated, I also looked up the usage uh, for the Nets this season so far Uh, for players that have played more than 10 minutes. Third in usage for the Brooklyn Nets is Nick Claxton. Yeah. Fourth is Patty Mills. And notably absent from that list, Ben Simmons, who's supposed to be the third of their big three. Now Simmons has always played jaw pretty well. And I remember going back to Jaw's rookie year. um, It to me was sort of his welcome to the league moment when he went up against the 76ers, and I remember that still to this day in Philadelphia when, when Simmons really locked Jaw down. And so yeah. I'm interested to see what they're going to do defensively against us and see if Simmons uh, plays any sort of factor. But right now, um, it doesn't yeah. feel like Ben Simmons is all the way back. No, and, and so we're playing him at a good time, in my opinion. I, I think, yeah, if you, you want to catch them early, I think. Um, I'm not, you know, I still don't know. They, they're they still one of those teams that could win 55 games, could win 30 games. They're so unpredictable. I don't think Steve Nash is going to be the coach uh, at the end of the season. Uh, so, but I'm really glad we're playing them early because they're still really trying to figure out uh, – you know, how to sort of integrate Ben Simmons. I also think he's just having not played in a long time getting back as well. Um, I will say that, I mean, with that, you know, when we watched them, um, you know, beat them twice last year, their, their bench and their supporting players are better than last year, you know, and they do have like a Joe Harris back. They do have a Royce O'Neal. Um, and so they're, they do have decent rotation. But this isn't like they, they felt a little bit like the way the Lakers feel this year like the stars and then just a bunch of people. Um, but they actually have, I think, some good role players this year. So I think it's going to be a tough game. I mean, I think if we come in and don't play well, like 
uh, and play kind of similar the way we played against the Mavs on Saturday, I mean, we we could get beat very easily. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to do that. I think there's going to be a lot of scoring. I, I would take yes. the over maybe yeah. um, in this game. Yeah. And uh, I think Patty Mills is one to watch. He's always sort of been a grizz killer back to his Spurs days. Um, yes. All right, let's move on to the Kings. Um, obviously, we, we mentioned them a little bit earlier with our trivia question. De'Aaron Fox crushing it um right now but the kings similar to uh, the nets kings and grizzlies are all very similar in terms of offense rating and defense rating the kings like i mentioned oh and two um net rating they're actually 20th net rating uh, again small sample size uh but what do you think about the kings matchup i, I mean i still you know even though they start out oh and two uh that they're they were kind of everybody's darling to sort of make the play in uh, to make a little bit of a leap this year i still think that uh, having watched their games uh that clippers game Paul George goes for 40 last night. If Paul George doesn't go for 40 and has kind of a normal Paul George game, the Kings win that game. Uh, it was a close game throughout the whole uh, fourth quarter. And, and the, you know, it was typical Kings. Like, they did not come through clutch. They made some dumb mistakes towards the end against the Clippers uh, in a close game. Uh, but, uh, but I was impressed with Keegan Murray. He looks just like he does not look like our rookies who is who are a little bit getting adjusted. He looks very ready uh, to be an NBA rotation player. Uh, you know, Sabonis seems to also speaking of Grizz killers for whatever reason, Sabonis seems to always rebound really well against us. Um, of course, we have Steven Adams now, so hopefully they'll they'll kind of negate each other. But uh, but definitely we're going to need to come and they're going to be uh, possibly looking for their first win of the season playing at home. They'll have a really good crowd. I think there'll be a lot of people there to see jaw. And, and so I definitely think that'll be a tough one. Um, and if we come out of this week two and oh, we should be very, very pumped uh, for the Grizzlies. Yeah. And this is uh, the beginning of our four game road trip. So we'll have the Kings on Thursday night and then we'll have a back to back. Well, not, not necessarily back to back in terms of days, but we'll play two games against the jazz Saturday night and Monday night. And then we have the trailblazers on Wednesday night. And so the late night game, Early in the season against Sacramento, I've referenced it a couple times now. It always worries me, um, especially when they have a guy like Kevin Herter. For some reason, they're starting KZ Akpala right now at the five. I think that's going to be interesting to watch moving forward for this team. If Keegan Murray is going to be able to slide in. Rashawn Holmes is also a very competent um, backup and sometimes starting uh, four or five there for them as well. And so I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, like you said, Fox and, and Ja. Uh, two very similar players, obviously Ja uh, taking some leaps that Kings fans would hope that Fox would yeah. take. Um, but I think, again, this is going to be an over. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just going to be up and down. <laughs> yeah. With both of oh, these definitely. And I mean, it's interesting because we've played, the, you know, I think both of these teams and again, the Nets, their ceiling is way higher. But I think both the Nets and the Kings are similar to the Knicks. They're in that we want to be playing maybe if. All the you know maybe breaks happen. We get that six seed. We're just trying to get into the conversation. That's both really where these teams are, and you know, and I think we have a while before we're going to play another Mavs type obvious playoff team. Uh, you know, has greater ambition type team, and so this will be a good matchup to see down rotation players, down some guys. Uh, hopefully, getting Dylan back. Uh, but can we can we kind of beat sort of mid teams? Uh, you know, down some players. Yeah, and if we end up 
at the end of this week. Obviously, to me, it's going to depend totally on how we play. If we end this week two and three, I'm not going to be panicking. Part of that is because of the injuries, and another part of that is because of the upcoming schedule where we have, like I said, two games against the Jazz, Trailblazers, Hornets, Wizards. We have time, um, so don't freak out if if we end this week two and three. I would love to be four and one, uh, yes. and I think there is a over fifty percent chance we will be four and one, mm-hmm. um, but it's not as high as I would want it to be. So these are going to be two very interesting games moving forward, and and pretty pretty important for our first ten game right. and, and uh, it's, game. And it's a good it's a good opportunity for us to see how our new or how our younger players respond to a really bad loss. How are we going to come out? What kind of energy are we going to come out with tomorrow night? So I'm really looking forward to it. I had one more thing I wanted to mention, and it came off of the last two games. Uh, I've started to construct what I'm going to call my Wodium, and what that is is it's spelled W-O-A-T-I-U-M, and it's the podium for the teams that I hate the most, um, especially as they relate to the Grizzlies. And uh, we played two of those three uh, this past weekend. The Houston Rockets might be number one on my list right now, which is crazy to say because our timelines are completely different. I don't see us ever necessarily meeting in the playoffs in the next two to three years. Um, But man, they have some hateable guys on their team. And at at the top of the list for me is Alperen Shingun, um, the way he plays. And I like his game. I actually liked him coming out of the draft. I think he's super crafty. I think he's good at what he does. I really hate players that just flail. And that's like the number one thing that they do both on offense and defense. He's a flailer. Garrison Matthews, also so easy to hate. I mean, the most punchable face I've ever seen. Um, and then, of course, the Mavericks. I just feel like they are the yin and yang for the Grizzlies. We have so much trouble with them. Um, Luka is also be getting to that range of just uh, complainer, um, high usage, heliocentric. Um, I personally would hate playing with Luka. Uh, he's incredible, obviously, very talented, but the Mavericks, as a as a, an in-division rival, are easy to hate. So they're they're actually one and two right now. Now this is you're going to notice that the Wodium is very emotional. It's going <laughs> to depend a lot on what happened recently. Number three, though, and this is still a little bit fresh for me, is the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're number three on my Wodium uh, right now. Adding Rudy Gobert only makes it easier to hate them. Uh, mm-hmm. Losing Patrick Beverly actually actually makes them a slightly more likable. Um, and, and I shouldn't even use the word likable. It's less hateable um but those are the one two three rockets mavs timberwolves what about you craft Who, who's who's your top three right uh, now? mavs are definitely number one Pel- pelicans are definitely number mm. two and then it's probably between the warriors and the t-wolves i mean i i still have kind of a grudging respect for the warriors um but i definitely uh get frustrated um the Warriors fans just frustrate me. Like I was looking at some 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 podcasts and bloggers that I really like. You know, I like a lot of the Warriors media, but they hilariously all of them were doing their league pass rankings and just so obviously left the Grizzlies off of them when the Grizzlies are like number two or number one on pretty much everybody's league pass rankings. And it just was very obvious just because they are annoyed with the Grizzlies and they don't like us because we we beat them a lot even though they beat us in the playoffs. But uh, but definitely the Mavs and the Pelicans partly because. They're both teams that seem to always beat us, even though it's like this weird curse where we're always going to finish in the standings above them, but they're going to always, uh, you know, beat us and sometimes in embarrassing fashion. And they seem to always catch um, schedule wins too against us, which also frustrates me. 
All right, so we're going to update you guys on if we have any, um, you know, unseating that happens on both of our Wodiums. It um, will probably depend on the teams that we play at that current moment, but I have a pretty good grip on who my top five are. But yeah, right now, the three Rockets, Mavs, T-Wolves, I mean, I can't think of uh, three worst teams uh, to watch and, and, and teams that are so easy to hate. Yeah, and Lakers have to be good for us to be on, for, for them to be on that list, but Amen. they're terrible. Amen. That's that's hey. If we were <laughs> if we were not talking Grizzlies, that's what I would want to talk about. Um, but all right, this has been another edition of the Weekend Update. Uh, we do have an email address, grizdenpod at gmail If you want to write into the show and give your take on the first week of the season so far, write in any time. Your email might be featured on the podcast. So uh, stay in touch. Follow us on Twitter at Grizz. Den Pod. Follow us on Twitter, or excuse me, Instagram at Grizz underscore Den. Uh, John, excited about this week. Excited for a couple games. Let's bring home a couple wins. So for Kraft, I'm Will. Thanks. We'll see you next time. <laughs>